really lucky today. It's a rainy day in Vancouver and we're in India town at the Kebab Hut and they're reminiscing with George and Shirley who spent so much time in Africa and with them is Narina Switlow who's my daughter and David Crichton. David Crichton and David your parents served uh, with QSO. QSO in I think 1970s or so and they went to Nigeria for a year. So we get a QSO child and these two young ones well, they're, one's finished university, anthropology, the other is? Uh, it's four months, and then I'll be done my mm. anthropology degree. So. Oh, so both anthropologists. So how old are you? Uh, 23. 23. That's the same age as when I first went out. Oh, cool. But that was... Uh, <laughs> and that he had was red hair at that. 40, 41 years ago. <laughs> Did he? No. So it's a good time. It's a long time. So they, these these young uh, anthropologists have questions for you guys about serving overseas and what it's like, etc. Rock paper scissors. See who goes no, first. I don't have questions. <laughs> you don't have a question? <laughs> Not yet. No, we, well, you know, this whole the, issue the about problems yeah. when you get out overseas is that um, it depends on what you mean by problem. One thing a lot of people consider to be a problem is this whole thing about arriving there and then finding out that you, the job that you thought you were going to do is, 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 is it's not, not there. It's just not there. It's, it's completely different. It's completely different what you expected. And, uh, and somehow the thing which you have to do as an individual is just try to figure out how you're going to navigate through that. How do you make it? How do you make a meaningful contribution when what is what you perceive to be is the job is just not there? And some of the reality of why that happens, I think, is because the process starts in terms of QSO VSO on the ground, trying to identify a placement. They work with people in the organization to define the placement. Then they have to start the recruiting process abroad. And by the time the placement actually happens, people have changed in the job, the needs have changed, situations have changed. So. It's, it's, it would be like applying for a job here, uh, you know, you see a post and you apply for the job but you can't fill it for six months, yeah. or, longer. or longer, the six months in between a job can change, can't mm -hmm. it? Oh, right, you know, yes. uh, the, the line manager leaves oh, and a new line manager comes in with a sort of different perspective on how to approach things. So you have to, you have to... For us, we've always sort of then tried to navigate rather than say, oh, this isn't what we signed up for. We then say, how can, what can we really do that would support the organization? But I mean, is it, uh, like, would it ever be what you signed up for? I mean, how could oh, yeah. you actually oh, Sometimes it's oh, yeah. pretty, it'd be spot on. But I mean, it's you, many, many times, uh, the frustrations people have is that they're going, thinking that they're going to do something, and they're, oh, yes, I am, I am, uh, a doctor. IT specialist that's or, going to be... Yeah, or a doctor, for example, and a doctor is supposed to be providing training and then finds out that, uh, you know, really I've actually got to do some of the work at the same time as providing on-the-job training for other people. The other thing is that I think some of the employers in the developing country try to make it look simpler than it is and to also try and enhance what they really think they can be, do because that is a long-term goal but the reality on the ground is sometimes you're you're a step or two in it and 
so I think that's that's part of it. I think the other big issue is people go in and they don't think they've made a difference. And then you find out a year or two years later that something you did, maybe not even totally related to your placement, has had a huge impact somewhere. So for instance, the whole Kenny Family Foundation, yes. Paul Kenny, I worked with them basically to help them look at uh, the reality of what they should be supporting this program in Uganda. And I did a workshop with, uh, with Paul Kenny and with this uh, project, totally unrelated to my volunteering, but I met Paul through Canadian Connections. Oh, actually, actually through, through Santa. Yeah, through George's placement. But they were funding another agency. Um, he stayed with us when he came to Uganda another time, and then it, we were back in country, and he, they were taking the whole family on a holiday. And he wanted me to identify a project that they could take the, the nieces and nephews to that was a really good project. <coughs> so there was a project that had had a number of VSOs. I'd done a bit of work, but I wasn't placed there. The Kenny Family Foundation were inspired by the work they've done. They now are big funders and they're bringing them here. And Now it's not a huge foundation, but they're big supporters of this project. So I see all the time there's, they're now bringing some of the people from this Reach Out and Buya project yes. to a workshop here at Simon Fraser. Yes, and I'm and attending. It's, yeah, it's because it was sort of not my work, but it was um, a project that inspired me and it just seemed a good fit. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's interesting when you go into this work, what really is, is the lasting impact. Well, and then there's a question about, I, I know a few friends of mine that are also thinking about volunteering and go on the internet and you're searching and it just seems like a lot of so hard to pick and then there's those companies that you see that are asking you to pay to go volunteer yeah. Yeah. and stay away from them whatsoever stay away from them the interesting thing is they'll do uh, other there's a project called hands across borders and it's a couple from vancouver she was from sri lanka originally yeah. and when they retired they built um a vocational school for the tourist industry in Jambiani, yeah, in Zanzibar. And they recruit volunteers from their connections to come and do work in the school. They actually found a website advertising that this was one of the placements that volunteers could go to and you could pay $15,000 and they'd set you up volunteering with this Hands Across Borders. Well, Hands Across Borders doesn't ask you for any money. Oh my goodness, like a scam almost. Well, on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. well, there's no question. The agency probably arranged the flights and they would say to these people, yeah, yeah. we have some people who are interested in volunteering for six months in your project. Not ever telling them that they're making money on making that connection. So how about this, when you have something like the uh, you know, volunteerism, that my thought is that if, if I was doing a project in Uganda and I had 
uh, volunteers come and help. It's, is it sustainable and is it taking sometimes jobs away from people in Uganda? For example, building a school. Surely there are people in Uganda that need, that can build a school. Yeah, and there I is... I wondered about this that. This is always a big yeah. issue because uh, when we were at this clinic in, uh, at, well, the community health center in western Uganda and they, and there was a challenge because very often volunteers would come in and without a well-structured situation, you would find that uh, sometimes they would they would take take the work. And one of the realities was that sometimes the people who had jobs there would, would be quite happy to step back and let the volunteers do the work and give them a bit more uh, 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 free space. Now, so they started to structure things more carefully and and basically defined job descriptions and one of them was one of the, some of the criteria were that the, the job, volunteer job description would be such that it would not take away from the employment of somebody locally. It might be uh, a one-of kind of a thing uh, uh, okay. uh, that uh, you would have somebody come in and uh, say well we need a volunteer uh, for a certain period of time to do a certain amount of uh, building certain skills within the staff. Uh, and and, oh. and those kinds of things, which are short-term kind of things, and you can have volunteers come in to do that. So that okay. So then you had this other question about your degree and like, oh, how there's no there's no positions for anthropologists, or, or well, specifically yeah. stating, yeah. you know, yeah, they don't and, ask for an anthropologist. And it's funny because our whole training, our, the educational training we get, is to go volunteer and help with program development and, and that's what we're trained for but there's we can see the need for sure I know like uh, my dad's project he did um, agriculture training so he taught uh, how to do things but he used like a western model of agriculture which didn't really work that well so like most of the crops actually failed <laughs> oh really and they were also experimenting a lot they had like they didn't have any equipment they had snow plows from the Soviet Union <laughs> to plow the fields. Um, <laughs> in, in Tanzania we had versatile tractors from exactly. Manitoba that exactly. the tires are as big as the wall no, there. Really? Extensive. You just oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, like uh, just some anthropology just in that area would be really good. It would have really helped in Well, in the advantage of QSO VSO that we found is they do a skills assessment rather than an I mean you do your resume yeah but they look at the skills you have and talk about sort of the organizational development understandings you have and what works and doesn't work because that's really what you need it's not the specific degree it's mm -hmm. the skills you have in that area yeah because so when you look at each one of us we don't have branded on us anthropologist, accountant, uh, we don't have those things branded on us. We have a set of skills because we do volunteer work, we have uh, community activities, we do many things and you develop a set of skills because of that. It just seems like more so that branding happens on websites and things like that when you're, when you're at. Okay. We have a placement in, um, in Kampala for an IT Work for an agriculturist. It, it doesn't sound like I think it's very hard to look through all those lists and go, 
Does VSO not still have the use for development? Yeah, oh, the, the IEP? UK citizens only for the yeah, VSO. We, oh, we really? can't go yeah. with them. But we yeah, have the really. IEP coming up with the CDAS. You, you can. Are you Mr. I have my UK. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, <laughs> because we found that that, oh, and yeah, when you think about it, our youth for development workers were all from Europe, really. Eh? Yeah. Spain and, and France and the UK. I never thought. Here we used to have Netcore, like we're having supper tonight. Have you met Dominique yet? Oh, you haven't. Domi was a uh, uh, Netcore volunteer through VSO. Oh, okay. Six months at the same project, but CETA canceled that. Well, the Canadian government. Yeah. Uh, not right now. It was a really good project because it took young people who had IT training, but six months they went in. So some, Rebecca did website design. Dami was more into setting up networks, different, because uh, IT is very broad. Yeah, yeah. all kinds of stuff. You have four beef sauces, is it okay if you have one chicken? Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And, uh, Anyways, we're up to Is that what you said? Mango lassi? Yeah. Okay, good. So we just got our mango lassi, we're going to get samosas and mogo and and uh, goat karai and all that stuff and we're going to feel like we're in East Africa having uh, lunch at a restaurant in Darsla. Did you ever eat Indian in Darsla? Oh yeah, we always went to Chef's Pride. Chef's Pride, that's the Chef's Pride. Oh yeah. It's filled with <laughs> They had quite a range, more than just the uh, Asian food. Yeah, but it was very popular. We had, a, we had this little tally place in, uh, in Zanzibar too. Zanzibar. Still have to go there. Yeah, I've heard well, it's my like boyfriend has spent some time there. Oh yeah. Well, this project, this project Hands Across Borders, is a really interesting one because what they're doing, this they have this couple in their retirement have committed to building the capacity of local people in Jambiani to get jobs in the tourist industry. Oh, because Zanzibar has huge tourism. But most of the people come from other places to work in it. So there's foreigners come, there's people from mainland, uh, mainland or from Mombasa or others. And so these people are in the in Jambiani are not benefiting. So they're doing this. There's quite a bit, and VSO is doing some interesting work in with um, farmers in uh, uh, Zanzibar helping to build their capacity to serve the, the tourist industry without totally destroying the local market. So 10% of your crop should be for the tourist industry and the rest should still be for locals. For local and for your own family too. Um, so, no. so with thank Shirley and George for sharing some pearls of wisdom with these young guys ready to think about doing some work. You do have, yeah, we can get back, but first we have Mogo. <laughs>